Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. But you can call me Tun. Like in the movie? I don't, I don't know that that's quite... As cool as Triss? Same. Of course it's not. I could never be her. Yeah, but like it's also... I feel like that's not a ridiculous nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Uh yeah guys we're we're back we're doing a trilogy, uh huh, um, and at least <laughs> one of us is excited to do this episode, <laughs> and it's Alex. Alex, what are we doing? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Just for the record, for last week, the record, last week we may have talked about whether or not to do this movie for what I I think was like two hours, <laughs> at least. Short. Like de- debating whether right. or not to do this or something else. And eventually I gave in because I was tired and I said, fine, but if this goes horribly wrong, spoilers, it has gone horribly wrong. We're in the first movie. Look, um, I get to choose the next full franchise that we do. I threatened Expendables, but I'm not doing that because I'm nice. Divergent from 2014, directed by Neil Berger. It has a 41% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you, Tyler. And a 69% audience score. Thank you, Britton. Hey. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, uh, I, to be clear, to be clear, I presented the, I, I pulled the pin from the grenade and I rolled it and I gave you plenty of time to kick it away. You did. You had all the openings. I kept kicking it away and Britton just kept picking it up and carrying yeah, it back over. I, I sort of enabled Britton to get really be, excited. Be my yeah. enforcer on this argument for divergence. <laughs> I was, I uh, was which, the heavy. Uh, you know, the Hunger Games uh, prequel just came out, which we'll be talking about sometime in 2024, yeah. er, early, early-ish, 2024, 20, 2025. We'll, we'll catch up on movies eventually. Um, <laughs> but um, I think this is, I mean, this the reason that this was had been on our docket and it was like actually something we were interested in doing is, A, it's fascinating and kind of hilarious because the, the franchise does just not finish. Yeah. Um, it did attempt to do the like streaming miniseries thing for the, it, it both attempted the part two uh, deal where you split the movie into part two, like all the other young adult franchises that we've already talked about did. Um, but then the second part tried to transition to it streaming service because they didn't they didn't want to release it and then that fell through and they actually never ended up making it so we're going to get in, in like halfway through the final chapter and that's very funny to me um but more importantly it is i think the to me this my read is that this is the next step and also the kind of final uh nail in the coffin i guess of the young adult uh dystopian wave yeah yeah, especially dystopians, because I mean, we also had the Maze Runner, which put a pin in that. Um, but uh, the, the, I have not seen any of the Maze Runners. I had seen like half of this movie um, beforehand, so I knew kind of what I was getting into. Yeah, but um, this, like you, you know, you start with Harry Potter two thousand one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and you know that goes through twenty eleven. Twilight starts up and finishes around the same time, somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, you had Hunger Games kind of kicking after that. Uh, this was like they're really milking it dry, and nothing is really capturing those. Those three are all like distinct enough yeah. and captured their own audiences well enough that they all can kind of work on their own, um, while also 
I think building on that same idea of like, oh, we can really make a franchise out of a young adult uh, novel novel series adaptation. And then you hit this, and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I think we ran out of steam somewhere along the way here. Um, and then you had a bunch of failed attempts, like I Am Number Four and Mortal Instruments. Sure, uh, Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson, Round One, yes, yeah, probably some others. Um, the Fifth Wave. Sure, uh, that's a a thing I recognize. Um, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Roma. But yeah, I I think this is <laughs> I think this is very interesting. Um, in that light, and it kind of stacked up against those other ones that we've already done. Um, and I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I took some notes. I watched this like right after our last podcast. Not I mean, not same night, but close yeah, to it. I have like notes. actually no. I watched it on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you did because <laughs> <laughs> we had family plans fall through. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Um, and that is how we ended up here. But I took some notes because I would I figured I would probably forget things. I um so I- I'm going to be very generous to this movie in some ways, but will not rate it highly. I think that if you had t- if I didn't know these were based on books, just looking at the movie itself, I would have assumed this was a stereotypical Hollywood knockoff cash in on Hunger Games and everything else. And the 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 two big caveats I will give is one: I've never read these books. No idea how the books feel. Same. No idea, you know, where the books fall in this this uh, boon or boom of of YA dystopia stories. No idea. Not going to accuse Veronica Roth of anything. She wrote the books, but the the movie feels very samey, very hackneyed. Not hackneyed, but very like just do that yeah. stuff. Um, but the other thing is, th- this movie, especially am- amidst all of them, really feels like. This is definitely not made for me as a 35-year-old man. This is so much like I, I don't want to end up dinging this movie for doing its job, which is fantasy fulfillment for tween and teen, predominantly girls. And that because that is not a bad thing to be. Wish fulfillment in movies is not a bad thing to be, depending on how you go about handling it. And it would be very unfair of me to be like, we do all these superhero movies and I don't criticize them for being wish fulfillment to then criticize this one for being wish fulfillment. Yeah. I, I think it's I very think... clumsy in the way it handles a lot of that stuff. But this movie, I think more than any of, more, certainly more than like Twilight, handles the like fantasy, like, oh, what if this was you and you got to have this love story? This is so much healthier. <laughs> it's a boring love story that doesn't really resonate with me at all. <laughs> but compared to the Edward and Bella thing, and we'll talk about all this stuff as we get into yeah. it. But I, yeah. I was going to say that is, I think, good context that, Britain, I believe you came you you rejoin the podcast for specifically breaking on part two. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so you you were not there when we, but I think we had a similar thought of like we can't we can't be here be out here like getting into why we love some of the superhero movies right. that are out there and like really digging into like oh there here's this stuff that's like made you know traditional macho action movie genre fodder um, and then turn around and be like oh this is for girls. Right, what, like you do have to kind of evaluate it on what the target audience is, and yeah, get into it from there. And, and there are definitely things I can criticize it about, you know, as movie making goes. Sure, and I think one of the really great signs of how good the Hunger Games movies are is how those movies are also not really aimed at me, but the filmmaking is so strong. Like I really like yeah. that franchise a lot. I do think each one is kind of a step down from the previous, but like by and by and large, I think that's a very strong. Uh, four movie series um 
and I haven't seen the the newest one, obviously, but like those the the Katniss run, I really liked. <laughs> and because that stuff, one, it doesn't lean as much into some of the YA tropey things as we might think it does. But as, even as even when it does, the filmmaking is so strong, the acting is strong, the writing is strong, the ideas are so strong that I was always invested in them. And this one, yeah. less so. So I, I just want to make sure that I avoid doing that, even as I start to criticize the movie in places, because like. It's one thing to criticize it for being like this doesn't make this, this this bit doesn't make sense or this shot is weird as opposed to like well it doesn't resonate with me so it's bad because that's silly like right. if if there are teenagers getting something good out of this then it's doing its job and there's nothing wrong with that um, again all to be broken down as we as we go because I feel like I have seen more this to me feels more like a direct not even allegory but like appeal to the teenage experience than some of these other stories. Yeah. Um, but anyway, to to introduce us on this journey, because listen, the Divergent world, as we've learned in this movie, there's a big old world to discover. There's a lot going on. Don't anybody Chicago? worry. It's Chicago. Chicago. I don't and see the bear in it. Chicago. Yeah. This is no, the far flung future. Maybe that's the next part. Maybe that's the next part. They find a they they find facts uh like it's, a skeleton maybe, somewhere. Maybe the bear season three will actually be also insurgent part two or divergent in 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 allegiance allegiance is to chicago don't don't you dare connect the divergent series with the bear (laughs) it would i'm telling you what's gonna happen i'm just saying this is me leaking it live on the podcast okay i guess alex uh says no the bear don't bring kate winslet onto your show um i don't want to see her anywhere near this or shailene woodley yeah hey if that means they're canonically set in the same universe, yes, keep them as far away as humanly possible. <laughs> what if it was the readers? Uh, what about Jai Courtney on the bear? Alex. Can't turn down Jai Courtney. Come Is he on. playing his character in, in the Divergent yeah. series? It doesn't. It, he could be playing see, Kyle Reese. I don't see, think he would care. <laughs> see, I think see, he's still... we're, we're having two different conversations here. You made it sound like, oh, if those actors show up in, in it, then they're canonically connected. But I if it's think... just the actors, I'm fine with that. Whoever yeah, he's playing, I still want Jai Courtney to be dressed up like a pop punk guy from 2009. <laughs> I still yes. want that with his little studs Correct. in his eyebrow. Bring, bring in uh, Jai Courtney and, and Miles Teller and uh, Baby Driver Guy and oh. uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Minnette mm-hmm. with a chin. <laughs> okay. okay. Dylan Minnette's got a chin. Um, Theo James, that's his name. Theo James, I like it. <laughs> Uh, I will also just say Kate Winslet would slaughter on the bear. Yeah, <laughs> she, that would be fantastic. She would yes. be so good. Um, the synopsis for Divergent. I do also have a tab open uh, f- from DivergentLife.com to help us okay. sort through the factions good, and good. all the laws of this uh, yeah, yeah. deep world. Okay. Synopsis. Synopsis for Divergent reads thus. Triss Pryor lives in a futuristic world in which society is divided into five factions. As each person enters adulthood, he or she must choose a faction and commit to it for life. Triss chooses Dauntless, those who pursue bravery above all else. However, her initiation leads to to the discovery that she is a divergent and will never be able to fit into just one faction. Warned that she must conceal her status, Triss uncovers a looming war which threatens everyone she knows. It's more because she goes to her brother's job. Um, But, anyway... I think. So 
I talked about the the allegories and st- or thing for for teenage life, and and I, I want to kind of get go ahead and get that out of the way as like a table setter for for the episode. I think that this movie is all of these YA stories to a degree are about you know a young person finding themselves, and this movie especially uh, because I can't speak to the books. This movie especially is about to, to to me. This is is very much about a a teenage experience at the library where I work. We're right next to a school, a middle school. So a lot of the kids come over after school and hang out at the library, which is a good thing. Um, and so I I have no uh, uh, psychological understanding of teenagers, but I'm around them a lot. And one of the things I know is they have a lot of energy. It is very clear in this movie how much Tris wants to just run around. Every time we see Dauntless early on, they're just running. They're running, yeah. they're climbing, they're parkouring, and Tris is like, oh boy, I don't need mirrors, but I do need that. And I think that this movie has a lot about those things that you feel when you're a teenager. I want, I know that there is a larger world out there. I want to start making my own place in it. I want to understand who I am, understand who I'm going to be, celebrate who I am. So This movie is literally about personality tests, deciding what career yeah. you're going to have. Yes, I want to discover. Exactly who I am and I don't want to be told who I am. Right. And this movie is very much about that. And I think that's, that's a good thing. I, I don't know if it's necessarily effective at doing it, but I think that's sort of the, the thrust of it. And then you get into some of the wish fulfillment about like, Oh, what if, you know, you could find that inner strength in yourself and speak up for people and speak up for yourself. And what if, and it sounds like a joke, but I don't mean it this way, but what if you went to this, this new place and the super hot, super capable guy notices you and you haven't gotten to feel pretty your whole life, and now you do get to feel pretty, and he sees you, and then you get into a kind of a relationship, and he respects your boundaries, which is a very good scene, and I like that they make that point in this movie. Um, further kind of illustrating that, like, look, if I had a teenage daughter, I would way rather her watch this than Twilight in terms of what we're going to be normalizing for our children to see in relationship. But um, I, I can appreciate that about the movie. That it is so much about that teenage experience. Obviously, it's not one that I can relate to as much myself. Because uh, I'm 35. Because you weren't a divergent. Because I wasn't a divergent. I don't run. Not true. You were an erudite. I was, okay. I was an erudite who are the bad guys. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but that, that's something that I think should should be stated about the movie. What? Where do you guys want to start? Should we dive into what these factions are? Where do we begin? I, I do... I I do want to I think that's a good place to start because I think the world building in this is so wild. Oh yes. And is not it's hard to understand. Like I wish I I don't I don't really want to read the books for this. I read the books for Twilight. I specifically mm-hmm. oh, wow. did read that series uh when we did the Twilight movies because I was just like, "You know what? Tell me tell me more. Uh, let's, also, let's get into it. If we're going to do this, do it right. And also, it did help because I, I had questions and Tyler yeah. was able to to illuminate um, some things that I would not have understood otherwise because those films are messy, to put <laughs> yes. it uh, yes. lightly. And having not read the books or even asked anybody who has read the books about what is going on, um, I suspect that this movie has a case of the uh, first two Harry Potter movie approach uh, problems. That was a weird way to word that. They basically like the, both of those movies are very much, we have to get every plot point exactly right. We have to 
do all the dialogue, but we also have to do it in like two hours, two and a half hours, however long these movies yeah. are. And it, this is a book that's going to take you, you know, eight hours to read. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't tried in a while. Um, I'm probably good, but <laughs> like that, um, like you can't translate all of that. The books are short enough that you almost can, yeah. but you can't quite make it all come across in a way that feels like a good movie experience. It, it feels like it's very beholden to the, the books. Um, that was like my biggest complaint about those when we talked about them. Um, this I can tell probably has a lot of that where it's like, well, we have to do this scene. We have to do this the same way. Like we have to sure. do, we have to have this, this beat happen. Um, and I could be wrong. Maybe there's a lot of stuff that's just totally invented, but it, the the vibe I get is that there is a lot of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, this scene, you guys get this scene, right? Sure. Well, let's move on. I mean, there's probably a lot of corners cut in terms of details um, and things that would have made more sense if it was written out uh, and, and thought more out. But the, first of all, the, the first, I think warning, warning bell for me with this movie is that <laughs> all the opening credits are going um and there's like it's like a director actor i don't i don't know who all it's showing in there producer um there's people whose names are floating up as we're kind of doing this helicopter shot zooming in towards the city and then it just pops up and says chicago yeah in the minute like it's not big it's not like oh bottom of the screen yeah chicago um it just does that it's about the same size as the other character, <laughs> the other cr- credits. And then it keeps doing more credits. Like we're not <laughs> done with true. the credits. And so it's just like, Chicago, <laughs> by the way, hey, executive producer. <laughs> it's like, wait. Well, you know, the lo- the, the, Hold on. The, the, the location really is a character in the film, Tyler. It's like, it's like the 89 Batman. It's just such a rich environment. <laughs> I don't think they really mention Chicago. You could probably get away with not. Saying it, and it's very clear that it's like, yes, dystopian American city. Right, right. Like, you don't have to, to tell us exactly what this place is, for one. But also just, like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> wait until we get to... Or start... I don't know. Like, it's very funny to me that they slip in. They're like, oh, well, did you see that? Okay, moving on. They never, like, they never like eat a, a pizza guy. you have to dig. So, like, I don't know what the... That's very true. That's very funny. It's, it, it made me laugh. It all confused. it also does the thing. Everyone loves it. An opening narration to explain the rules. Yeah. Love it. It worked in Lord of the Rings. The end. <laughs> yeah. I. It, it felt like they spent a lot of time explaining and re-explaining the different factions. Like, yes. Yes. A, a, a lot of time. Um, and yet, I, do, I, I constantly forget them. Yeah, my, I mean my the next... names are not super helpful. Real, real quick, um, before yeah. you continue, Tyler, um, yeah. I, I think there's just swaths of the movie that are just like out of my brain. I don't even know if I <laughs> caught that it was set in Chicago. Like, well, that's what it's just like. It's like, shoop. yeah, they literally do. Go. And there's and there's no but like you don't there's see no the mention of dialogue. No, and there's yeah. no landmarks presented that would you know it's Which not is... like oh it's yeah. set in New York and then you see the Empire State Building but it's all dilapidated or something. Which yeah. is interesting because we'll we'll have to talk about this. I think the movie does not look half bad. Sure, and there's a lot of practical sets. Uh, yeah, that like they it doesn't look like they built them. It, it looks like they they found some way to film this in a city, and so it's it's interesting that you. I feel like you got to go the extra mile, and maybe I just don't know enough about Chicago landmarks. Um, is that where the bean is? Is that where the giant metal bean is? I think so. 
Let me see. Do do a little do do a fight on the bean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do a fight on like, the bean. Fight on the bean. Where Come is on. the big bean? Hey. I, 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 I don't know what to say. It's Millennium Park. You know, I I would buy the Blu-ray for Divergent just so I could go to the scene selection and like scene 24, it says shoot out at the big bean. (laughs) (laughs) That would be worth the price alone. Do you guys think that when, uh, I can't remember his name, Christopher something submitted the bear, he like smudged the handwriting a little bit. So it said the bean (laughs) or originally was meant to be the bean. Like, oh, the bear, that's a great name. And he was like. Oh God! I gotta hope work that out. His original name was <laughs> they Carmine were be making Beans. Chili. <laughs> His name was Carmine Beansado, and this is <laughs> this isn't gonna work at all. Oh, what a good show! Um, um like if yeah. the bean, if the bean was in the dystopian city that you're stuck in, I feel like that'd be like that'd be a thing. That right? would be like their you'd god. Do something with that. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where we would be. Like, ah, uh, the old ones. We we worship the bean. It's a canticle <laughs> for Beanowitz. Like that's the whole. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, <laughs> kneel before Big Bean. This is your god. Oh, <laughs> uh, the the bean is angered. We must not. <laughs> We must sort ourselves into factions. Fava, Lima, <laughs> Kidney. So this is this this is a good pivot because I do I do want to talk about the actual factions. Yes. Um, the next thing that made me laugh a lot, and at least like it's very funny for me to think about, is that they're going through the factions and they're like, all right, we got Dauntless, we got Erudite, yeah, we've got um. Here, do you want to just read them off real quick? There, well, I'm trying to think of because there's five. There are five. Yes, they're technically six because there's also the factionless, which are homeless. Factionless. They um, are Amity, the peaceful. Amity. Yes. Continue. Uh, continue. Abnegate. Also, this is so nitpicky of me, and I'm so sorry. They're all different. Like part dauntless is an adjective. Candor is a noun. Like so, so they're confusing. But this is, but it's amity. This is also my point. Yes. So I think I think you covered it. I want to I want to just like hit this before we go sure, anywhere sure, else. Sure. Like dauntless, erudite, candor, amity, abnegation, abnegation. <laughs> which these are real words. <laughs> it's so. It just like the other four are like ah yes, the noble houses and those guys. It and it's very like I <laughs> like, you can be dauntless, you can be erudite, you can have <laughs> amity. Have candor yes. and have abnegation. I guess, and you are abnegation. You are abnegation, which sounds like it's just like I wonder which one of these is the one that's not exciting to be in. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is the Hufflepuff? What sticks out? <laughs> well, this and this is my thing. One of my first notes that I wrote is like, this is definitely just the Harry Potter selection thing, but try to be creative and figure out extra steps. Yeah, um, and also less steps maybe. Like. It, it's Harry Potter. The one thing like Gryffindor is clearly like the house that like is supposed to be the best house. Yeah. In the way that the narrative plays out, but at least you can be like, Oh, well, you know, Ravenclaw, they're smart. Like you can, you can read the books and be like, well, I'd rather be in Ravenclaw. And there's a, there's a whole, I think Slytherin's kind of cool. I think Slytherin's kind of, they're kind of rebels. They're kind of cool to be Slytherin. Yeah. Um, and Hufflepuff is like, oh, well, you know, I, I think I'm a really nice person. Like, you know, yeah. I, I actually relate with that. I th- I don't want to be fighting guys with swords. Like, you can argue yourself. You can place yourself in those. Yeah. But this is just so much like the, the highlighting the one that it's like, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to be there. It's Yeah. It's, it's interesting. 
I think that the the Harry Potter books, for for all that we can say about them, there is a there is a very clear, distinct. These are the houses. Yes. And in the Hunger Games, there's a very clear like starting at twelve, it gets more yep. wealthy as you move to one. Got it. Let's tell the story. And this is really not that convoluted, except that the the names are strange. So it's it's it, for some reason yes. it's and uh, some of this is just you know reading Harry Potter as a child we absorb information so much more easily, but also like somehow Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin are so much easier to remember than candor, abnegation, real words, like real actual words. Um, but I think that one of the other tricky things about this, and, th- and this was an interesting realization, is that um, Veronica Roth, I really got to give her credit for this because, and then also kind of ding the movie for this because when I was thinking about this, I went, this is very overcomplicated. So you have these five factions. You go to a personality test to tell you which yep. one you are most suited for. But then you go to a big ceremony, and I cannot wait to talk about that. You go to a big ceremony, and then you still get to choose whichever one you're going to be right. in. But then once you get chosen for the one you're going to be in, they tell you, all right, at least in Dauntless, now you got to go through these trials to get to one of our four or five or whatever sections you get to be in. So that's constantly this new, like, groups within groups, and how do you figure it out? Yeah. I was like, that's really complicated. And then I went, well, that's how the real world works. Because yeah. you it, go to school, you take career aptitude tests, maybe you go to college, you pick a major, maybe you use your major in your career, maybe you don't. Like, you, you work in a library, for example, which is the only thing I can talk about. Like, do you work in the circulation? Are you, are, first of all, are you going to do academic libraries or public libraries? If you're doing public libraries, are you in circulation? Mm-hmm. Are you in children's? Are you a resource librarian? Are you doing outreach? Like, are you even a librarian? I'm not a librarian. Like, what do you... That is what our human real world society is in America, at least, is that it is constant assessments to figure out which group within a group within a group you're going to be in. And so in a way, I'm like, well, yeah, you did just like, yeah, that's an allegory for the real world. Like, that makes sense. But for the sake of a fantasy, sci-fi, whatever story, it feels overcomplicated. (laughs) Like Harry Potter has a nice, clean, you put a hat on, it tells you where to live. And then you just kind of go with it. Well, if I can interject. No. Yeah. <laughs> the, the element of choice. I mean, whatever. That's fine. I didn't want to do this anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, abnegation. We should, by the Go way. Go back to helping people. On the third episode, <laughs> can we all take a test to tell us which one we're going to... You know. Oh, I was already thinking about if we wanted to try and, try and establish. I think we could do... Look, could, I... could take a real... Look, I already had to accept, like, when I did the Pottermore thing, I got Slytherin. I'm not doing this again. I got it, too. It lied. But go on. (laughs) Um, Given the premise and the fact that, like, there was some global war that tore up the planet and this was, like, a last-ditch effort to uh, fix society um, and somehow this this peace has existed for, like, this perfect utopia has existed for 100 years, which I don't buy. It doesn't make any sense. Um giving people the giving people a choice doesn't make any sense to me um if the whole idea is supposed to be we have an iron grip because everyone knows their place it makes no sense to give them a choice it should be you take the test and that's where you go yeah also maggie q does is a tattoo artist and she does the test yeah well i think it's a volunteer or a situation 
what? <laughs> She's got to get a fight scene in one of these movies, right? I was surely. I was. Oh no, they planned that for for the, the last one that they didn't make. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Maggie, don't oh. worry. In three movies, girl, you're gonna I, get multi. That, like, that was. That was one thing that I, I was planning on sending everyone in the group chat. I was like, so is Maggie Q, like, is she a part-time tattoo artist or is she a part-time <laughs> runner right. of these tests? Tester. Yeah. <laughs> and at a certain point, I was like, I am, no. Just is this, finish it's the gotta dang be, movie. So, so if the testing stuff is the government, then, like, that's got to be, like, you get, like, a good, it's sort of, like, maybe jury duty, but, like, better. Like, you get some sort okay. of, like... <laughs> solid payout for that right yeah but the rest of the time she has to get pie by, by being a tattoo artist maybe you know um, this is uh, my my friend just hoping yeah. that uh theo james will come back for a, a seventh tattoo <laughs> uh. <laughs> my friend erica she frequently does um she's on the tales from bibliophile podcast a lot she's great she volunteers to do like uh uh voting uh like during elections and stuff she'll work at the voting stations um so maybe it's like that it's like oh this is my act of service i go in and i do i tell teenagers where they're gonna have i make teenagers (laughs) confront their worst fears it's sort of the opposite it's it's kind of volunteering to the place where they tell you this is how you're going to this is what you think but it is it is woodley ask about that just that just in terms of like you're saying britain just like communicating stuff through a movie to an audience. Yeah. That's just one of those things where it's like, you would knock that out in a couple of lines of dialogue just yeah. to like, yes. here is why this makes sense and is not weird. Right. Don't think about yeah. it. But it is strange that like you, you take a test and they're like, well, and I understand the purpose of the test narratively is to show us that, uh, Tris is a divergent that she, right. Um, does not, uh, fit into any faction again, which is very much the teenager thing of like, well, I don't know where I belong. Do I belong to nowhere or to everywhere? Um, and how like, uh, 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 what's the word of conformity? How like in a society that begs you to conform, stand out and be yourself. Like that's a very, at least for a kid who grew up in the nineties and aughts, like that was very much the thing. Um, and frosted chips, but also, um, a, a bunch of dumb teenagers would all choose dauntless. Well, but that's the so, thing though, but you also have your, like your, your, your daddy pleasing uh, legacies and you've got your like, Right, because uh, like Ansel Elgort this, is like, I'm going to be an erudite. My lips are coming with me. I, I feel like the vast majority of the the the, the youth, the youths would, would would look at those those Probably. free running parkour maniacs and go, I want to be with those losers. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe. Could you guys yeah. tell I didn't like the movie? <laughs> I did write down in one of my notes. What would Dauntless say they do here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, apparently because... they guard the wall. They guard the wall that that, but they also they sit on the wall while all the um, I guess it's Amity goes out to farm. Yeah, so they kind of just watch them. And I don't know keep, that they would really and they keep the peace. I guess amidst the factions in this utopian society. Sure, they're also are there any? Adults? They're supposed to be kind of a police. What are there any adults? Dauntless people because they only show like Makai Pfeiffer. They all, they're all, they're all dead. Mackay Pfeiffer. And Jack Courtney's died. an adult. I mean, I feel like he's coded as being like in his mid twenties, like which is in, yeah, yeah. No, but like in ter- in terms of like, ge- I see what you're saying. Yes, like but in I, I, general I, YA shenanigans. Sure. I feel like he is not like I don't see him as I see like 
they would cast like an older person the, the headmaster yes, right. yes. i think the closest is Mackay pfeiffer who i never really understood his role in the movie he would just occasionally appear to give part of a speech and then not be in the yes. movie anymore yes um but it was great um, to see Mackay pfeiffer i i want to talk about the, the the choosing ceremony i don't know what they call uh-huh. it because one it features my the funniest thing in the movie to me so basically the way it works out is you're all sitting in this big room where Tim Cook is going to tell you about the new iPhone. Um, but before that, uh, uh, Kate Winslet um, from The Reader, she's in it and she gives a speech and every teenager goes up to this dais and there are these four bowls sitting on the on the dais. And five. Each, excuse you. There are five factions. Oh, five. Excuse me. And each one has uh, like something to represent their their thing. So I think Dauntless yep. has rocks in it. One of them has water. One has like grass. And you have a there's a knife that you pick up, and it's like this big like exacto knife. And you cut your hand, and you squeeze a drop of blood into the bowl. And then they someone announces like they have chosen erudite, and that faction like hoops and hollers and gets all excited about it. Two questions. One, I understand why you would have you want something more visually dynamic. Because in the Harry Potter, having a talking hat that tells you where to live, sure. And you get the, the narration of the hat being like, maybe I should put you in Slytherin. Nah. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in this, I, I understand wanting to have something a little more interesting. But why do you have to squeeze blood into the thing? I feel like you could have just had someone hit a button. But here's <laughs> the real question. Are they washing that knife in between <laughs> people? I- <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, they're editing this weird. There's not even like a like a, a washcloth next There's to it nothing. with some water. You think Erudite would have come up with some kind of self-cleaning knife. But if – because if you're if you're one of the last people – you get up there, it's mostly caked blood at that point <laughs> on that knife. Like, again, maybe Erudite erased all bloodborne diseases or something um, and all copies of bloodborne. But, like, how – it's 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 gross. <laughs> How dare they? My only thought on why, like, why is it done that way? I, I think that might just be they're trying to make it real for the teenagers and be like, you actually have to, like, yeah, sacrifice. Yeah. Sure. You have You're to cause yourself okay. pain and, like, commit yourself. You have to be serious about this. And you are putting a bit of yourself into this life. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, I um, think that's supposed to be the idea. But, yeah, the, the trappings of it, it's just what is happening? Uh, you didn't even hit on my like biggest question mark from that, which is that uh, there's they have a whole chant where everyone's like blood before or no sorry other way around faction before blood oh yeah faction before blood and then the the ceremony is putting blood to your into your faction and I was like <laughs> get your yeah. get your like autocratic messages together <laughs> so that like there's a there's a the symbolism is yeah. right here so that you're doing like. Everything is clicking. I do think it's really interesting that the decision they're making is like, all right, you're done. You you know, like you're leaving your family. Uh, you're probably never gonna see him again, or you you know, it'll be very briefly. You can't live with him anymore. You're you're gone yeah. forever. New new place. You, you have no family. I think that's interesting in that. Um, I think going back to the point of like the government being very complicated. Um. It is very kind of ridiculous and over the top that this would be all in place within like a dystopian society and like there's a lot of very clean yeah like the the Hunger Games like the whole thing again like you said Burton it's there is a really clean 
uh, pristine district that was not impacted by the war and is where all the rich people live and they get to like pour all their money into it. They kind of ignore the other districts yeah. and the other districts fall into disrepair. They are aware the war ha- wars happen. Like the, you know, everything's um, a lot worse there in terms of conditions of living where this is kind of like, there's just a lot of mixing. Like some, some places are very clean and nice and well kept and some places are like super gross and it doesn't feel as immersive because there is not that distinction of like, like there it, it's, it, it almost feels like there should be more of a, they have to go to the big erudite uh, center. And I think that's kind of what they do, but they, they, it feels like it should be more of a big deal of like, Oh, we, you know, this is intimidating. Like, this, sure. you know, they, they, this is such a nice place. And like, yeah, they, this is the, the fortress where erudite like has, has shown how better, how much better they are than the other factions by putting such an incredible monument together. And like, right. I don't know. I, I think there, there could be something more there. Um, but I think, that does I, I got off track because I'm just so fascinated by like every little detail of the thought process on the, on on how this all came together. <laughs> but my point is I think it is interesting that they all split apart from their parents. Um I think that adds an element and a layer to like the government is keeping everyone in check by having them make this decision at this age. Right. When they are going to be impressionable, when they're going to be like, you know what? I my parents, like I, I'm sick of living with my parents. I want to go out and do something else. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it might be compelled to do something that's, that they is totally different. Um, I think that's interesting. I think that's, that angle is, sure. is actually kind of a neat sure. idea. You mentioned having to move away from your parents. And so this brings up the funniest thing in the movie to me. Uh, Triss's parents uh, are played by Ashley Judd and Tony Goldwyn. Um, that's right, Alex Tarzan from Tarzan. Um, and I, that's I right, did... and that's right, Tyler, the president from Scandal. Um, <laughs> I, I I did recognize that. Oh yeah, Tony Goldwyn's great. I like Tony Goldwyn a lot. I haven't seen Ashley Judd in a ton of things. She did a lot of cool stuff recently. Good job. So she's there... Val Kilmer's wife or girlfriend in Heat, and there I remember go. her being quite good in that. There you go. Let's watch Heat. It's better than Divergent. I would like to watch Heat. Probably so. Um, so they're, they, and they have this whole thing where they tell their children, Ansel Elgort and Shailene Woodley, we love you no matter what you choose. Because they're in Amity? They're in Abnegation. They're in Abnegation. Okay. That's, that's, the whole, that's the whole thing that makes Abnegation very funny to me. They're in Abnegation. These is are that, just is that they words. Because again, when they're showing all the factions, yeah. they're going through like, yeah. here's, the, here's Erudite and their beautiful blue robes and like Candors. Like, I don't know. It shows them like, speaking and like they're like lawyers and stuff yeah yeah cool libraries and stuff like that and like amity's out they're hardworking field people and then abnegation is just all these people in like gray gross who aren't allowed to look at them look at look in a mirror who live in concrete blocks and don't look at the mirror that's it so (laughs) yes uh they're like you can do whatever you want and so ansel elgort goes up and he chooses erudite and they're like oh bummer but then shaylee woodley goes up and chooses dauntless and all the dauntless kids are whooping and yelling and she turns and actually judd and tony golden are looking at her like what really and then they do a little more and then they cut to the end of the ceremony where shailene woodley is now sitting with dauntless and they show goldwyn and judd making essentially the same faces but their bodies are turned slightly more towards where the dauntless are sitting make still going like really so it looks like the entire (laughs) ceremony they just stared at shailene woodley and followed her and just kept looking at her it's so funny that the entire ceremony, because it's not like Shailene Woodley was the last one. 
they just kind of skip. And so you're like, did they just sit there staring sadly at her? It was so funny. Just great. This this leads into one of my kind of bigger, like, head-scratching items with this movie. I didn't understand any of the politics. I yes. And by that I mean, who's in charge? I get that Erudite wants power i guess for power's sake we don't really get into motivations at all yeah and so they are are putting out misinformation about abnegation leadership which the thing about ray stevenson ends up being true with him being an abusive father right but everything else like i don't know what's happening so they because abnegation is the current ruling class right is is the government because abnegation can be trusted to run the government yeah. okay because they are humble and chill and they're just like public servants okay um, which is odd again with the thing of like if you're gonna let them make a choice then i feel like people would be like well i want to go to abnegation and run the government and be corrupt it like right. and then yeah then you can which maybe is what's supposed to be happening here i, I will i want to get into this further <clears throat> when we talk about the third act of the movie uh because i think that like d- breaks a lot of things that I thought were interesting. Um, but that is the idea is that abnegation is a government erudite is trying to take charge and basically say like, well, abnegation is not fit to run the, to run our government. We are smarter. We're cooler. We have prettier clothes. We should go do this instead. We've got Kate Winslet on our side. Now, yeah. now Kate yeah. Winslet is the leader of erudite. Janine. Jan- yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this this movie, I think the way I would phrase it is, I have enough information to know that I don't have enough information. <laughs> right. I, uh, no, that's a, that's an excellent way to put it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because I look at, yeah. like, the first Harry Potter or the first Hunger Games, and I haven't watched Hunger Games since we did it for the podcast. I haven't read or watched Harry Potter in years. But both of those starts of the franchise are really good starts because they're fairly fairly contained um the first hunger games the whole thing is we just got to get katniss through the hunger games that's it that's the story we get enough world building to understand what's going on and that there's more to discover and if you know that there's a sequel and you or three sequels um or two in case the books you you can kind of think okay well i guess probably ends with her like toppling the government and, and ending the hunger games or whatever but just for the sake of that first story you really just got to get her through the hunger games it's a very like Cool. It gives you enough of a world building to be immersive and give you context, but not so much that you're like, wait, now I have a bunch of new questions. And if you do have questions, you're like, well, they'll tell me that in the sequel, but I have what I need to know right now. Harry Potter's similar. He jumps in a fireplace, ends up at school. Done. Um, That's not what happens. That's later. But he (laughs) that's a fairly contained story as well, where it's just the introduction to this magical world and. And in both stories, big things happen, like Katniss does, you know, rebel, and they have the two winners and all that stuff, and Harry, I mean, Voldemort does come back, or they get the sign that he might be coming back. And the big things happen, but when both of those end, like, you you, you got it, you're, you're done. And with Harry Potter, there's no way to know where, where, where the scale that that story's going to hit, but that's okay, because you know what you need to know for this story. And I think both of those do a really good job of just setting you up and giving you what you need, and then you're like great, let's see what the next adventure is. And then you start to kind of build out from there. But with this one, you basically take the sorting ceremony from Harry Potter and the training that Katniss does in the first Hunger Games movie, and you do that for about an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> That's the, They make a movie out of that. 
And then in the last little bit, you get like essentially if Hogwarts was attacked by the Death Eaters, <laughs> like at the end yeah, of the like first the... movie, and you're like, this is a big thing that's happening, but I don't know what it means, and I don't know why I can't. And then where does this going? Like this feels confusing as opposed to enticing for me. Yeah, I, I think the, the way the movie's structured is very weird. Um, the, the pacing, like... Yeah, th- this, again, I think... I mean, I, I, I... And maybe it's just knowing that the other movies are like an hour 45 or whatever. This needs half an hour cut out of it. Yeah. Are they really? <laughs> like, I, it's, it's just too long. I think the third one, part one, might still be something like this. But I know oh. this one's weird. Um, but, but Insurgent the, is two uh, hours. Nice. Okay. Nice. Feel um, better about that. But I think this does go back to the adaptation thing of like again that's that to me is how the first two Harry Potter movies feel. It's like scene, 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 scene. Hit the, hit the beats. Get the things. Do the do the stuff that happens in the book. Like I and this is I think obviously less effective than that um, <laughs> as a movie overall. Um, but I think it's very similar in that it's like you can tell it's trying to condense all the stuff that might feel really nice and roomy and breathe in a book where you're reading act one, act two, act three. And that's like playing out really well. And they could have, this was the kind of thing where the way it feels makes me wonder if it almost could be like a totally different thing happens in the, into the first book. And they like pulled this, the final act of this from a later thing to make it bigger. Like you could, you could talk, you know, Obviously, we could look this up. I think I'll probably have to before we get into the next podcast. Maybe, maybe after this one, we'll I'll try and get some more prepared prepared knowledge uh, going into the insurgent discussion, and we can look back on it. But like, just just from the information we have here, I think it is not. Uh, it, it it does not feel like it was designed for a movie script. It feels right. like it was like we have to take a book and we have to make a movie out of it. Yes. And I can understand if you are a fan of the books and you come into the movie and you have a real fondness for these characters, watching them train and hang out for an hour, that may be great for you. Yeah. But for me, someone who comes into this with no knowledge, just watching a movie, frequently I was like, I don't know where this is going, but not in the like, oh man, what's, this is, I am on the, how, how is this going to go? I'm so shocked. But just like, what are we, why are we, is the whole movie about her training? What, what are they What's the end game here? Yeah, I think kind of taking that that middle chunk that's like 75% of the movie, um, kind of taking that on its own terms, I thought most of that was perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, Just her training. I do wish that was the plot of the movie. Oh, she's way in over her head and now she has to try and survive like being in Dauntless. And we don't really get into the wider political stuff. Maybe right. that's hinted at at like the very end, but that's kind of, that's Again, the Hunger lead Games. into a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, exactly. Uh, they did it better. Why are you trying again? Um, I mean, it's Lionsgate, so money. Um <laughs> Well, but uh, yeah, that 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 really confused me because I was like, okay, this is starting to feel like a movie. Too bad I don't know, like like you said, Britain. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what this is supposed to be leading to. And then at the very end, it's like, oh, now now war has broken out because we need a plot. Like the plot starts at like yeah, like an hour and a half in. It's very strange, and it hasn't really. It's been seeded a little bit, but not not enough yeah it's it's a strange it's a strange thing and i i remember 
uh, last year I read a book called The Poppy War um, by R.F. Kuang, which is a very, very good book. And that book starts off where I feel like I was hitting a few points. I was like, oh, that okay, this character is kind of a Malfoy-ish character. That's a Snape-ish kind of character. But it really felt more like R.F. Kuang had been inspired and influenced by those books. And they kind of, those influences found their way into her writing. Because that book goes very much off on its own its own path. And it's much grittier than I expected. It's a very, very good book. I definitely recommend it. But it's it was something where I was like, oh, well, this book has been inspired by the these types of stories but it, but it's very much its own thing and this movie again feels like it went well there's a harry potter sorting thing so we'll do that like in this she gets on a train and literally meets her best friend like it's the same <laughs> it's the same <laughs> thing um i don't there's not a love triangle yet but there is the like handsome brooding chiseled guy um who 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 she's who she falls for and yeah, and uh, there's a Malfoy and Miles Teller. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds both, of stuff. Uh, both her and her love interest are special, right? Um, a la Twilight, sure, sure, uh, or at, at least I guess in Twilight, Bella becomes special. But yeah, th- th- there is a special thing that they have to hide from everybody else. Yep, yep. She is a she's a uh, rags to not quite riches like Katniss, um, who finds her own strength. Yeah. I, I got kind of frustrated with the characters and I'm not I'm not opposed to like the, the wish fulfillment side of this. Yeah. Like that's I'm that's not a problem for me. I even talked about this like when we did uh it was breaking down part one. Like the whole yeah. bit about like Bella getting married and going on on um her honeymoon with Edward, I was like, Okay, so I'm I'm I am understanding the wish fulfillment side of this that, right. that the ladies in the audience might be getting out of it. Okay, I get that. Um so, like, looking at the plot through that lens, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Perfectly acceptable. I think there's a lot here that could work. Sure. Yeah. The problem is the characters are boring and flat for the most part. Um, the actors are trying their best, but the material is yeah. just not there. And it, it it feels so, like, utilitarian. It feels like everyone – I mean, on a, in a meta sense, Fitting. I guess, with the, the subject matter <laughs> – but, like, it feels like the characters are just there to serve a plot function, and that is it. Right. You want any personality? You want any characterization? You might get a fun line or two in terms of delivery from the actors, but you are getting it, nothing else. And I think that really goes back to how unfocused the movie is and the fact that it's trying to cover so much ground. Is that yeah. Then you end up with, like, oh, we can't really spend... Like, there's a... It does the thing that I know we've seen other movies that do this, and I cannot think of them off the top of my head. Um, but where you have this cast of characters kind of immediately bond, right. uh, there's like a group, a ragtag group in the dauntless recruitment, uh, ranks that forms between Triss and Christina and other will, two other will guys. is one of them. Cause he ends up uh, being a Judas. Cause he is like, that will, or is that, isn't it? Will? I thought that was like owl or something. I think it's Will who attacks her and then kills himself. Yeah. Somebody attacks her. Let's <laughs> kill himself. Also, both yeah. of those characters look very similar to each other. See, yes, see, that's the problem. That's the problem. And neither, <laughs> yeah, neither of them are famous or are famous well, now. Britain, you started off the podcast making a joke about shortened names. I was like, oh, don't do me. That means I betray everyone and then I die. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure it's Al that, that betrays them. Is. 
Okay, okay. Alan Will. So. Jeez. For some yeah. reason... Such memorable characters. <laughs> see, I don't know what it is, though, about why I can remember Legolas and Aragorn and Gimli and all this, but in this movie, you give me Eric and Peter and uh, Christine, and I'm like, wait, what? Who's well, named I mean, what? this happens to us constantly, I think, where we mostly just end up referring to characters by their actor names True. when we're talking about movies, because, like, they have generic names. It's like, if, you, if it's a name yeah. that the movie is not really trying to drill into you that you're going to be like yeah. yeah that guy and i think it's something because i think i've talked about this before when i read priory of the orange tree that that book made me i i was completely flummoxed by a lot of the nomenclature in that book and i that may just be time in my life when i read it that i just you know the part of my brain that can just absorb entire character nomenclature rosters and just be like oh yeah sure as a dane i get it is just gone right. i don't know or it's full but uh, for some reason, this one, I found it funnier to me that they're like, oh, yeah, that's Peter. And there's Eric. I'm like, what? <laughs> but also kind of respect them, respect Veronica Roth for not being like, it's the dystopian. So they have to all be named Arcturus <laughs> or like yeah. all these crazy names. Like, no, they're just people. They got names. Deal with it. His name is Four. Why? They explain it and Britain forgot. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, he was the fourth guy to do a thing. I don't know. There you Probably. go. Isn't it great? Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, he he has four fears, right? Because oh. yeah. they talk no, about no, his four they, fears. I think he may have four fears, but I think that four co- they explain four comes from like he he was the fourth person to do something. Are you, are you sure? Because he has the line of so. like on yeah. average everyone has like nine fears or twelve fears or whatever, and he says I only have four. Okay, I thought that was a thing. I don't know. You may be right. This movie's I, I stupid. Oh, yeah. He was given the nickname Four because he only has four fears. Okay. Heights, shooting... Okay. <laughs> this is funny to me. He has four fears. Heights, shooting innocence, claustrophobia, and his father. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> I... No, I, lo- I, love the, I love the idea of this being the, the, the baggage on... What's the... Um, <laughs> what's the... It's not Jerry Springer, I don't think, but it's Jerry Springer adjacent where it's like on one of those channels and it's, oh, it's like the contestants. No, yes, but like the 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 idea, it's a, a game show where oh. like there's one contestant uh, who is choosing between three contestants. They all have baggage that's like Interesting. in their suitcases. Alex, you know, you look like you're recognizing this. Yeah, it's it's a really bad Jerry Springer show. I remember us watching Springer. that in college. <laughs> like, like the idea of being like his four fears are. I think it's called baggage claim. That's funny. that sounds that sounds that's right. very funny. Uh, also, uh, I, I've I've gotten more claustrophobic because I get older. Because I think there's fewer and fewer things that I can fit into as I've gotten bigger. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> that's really funny. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, this I think leads to seeing of a sphere of heights. It does lead to a good uh, moment where, like, there there's a a scene kind of in the middle of the movie that's supposed to be sort of. Uh, actually, I guess it's towards the end because I think it's after Shailene Woodley gets beaten up and then left in the hospital, and they all leave, and Jai Courtney's like, "You didn't make it. You're off the job." Yeah. Um. And then she runs to jump on the train anyway. And he's like, all right, fine. See if I care. Uh, and then they are playing capture the flag. Yes. Well, this and is, this is it, part of a training a, exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And this is all like, 
this is the scene, kind of the sequence of scenes where this is supposed to be her really coming into her own and starting to like feel like she is dauntless. Um, and that's it. They, they climb up onto a big Ferris wheel. It's a, it's, it's like, okay, this is uh, again, like this gets the job done. Yeah. They're climbing up there. He's over. He's obviously concerned about climbing up that high and they get up to the, the top of this massive Ferris wheel, uh, which I guess maybe that's a Chicago landmark. Now that I think about it, I don't know. I don't know if there's a specifically uh, a big Ferris wheel that overlooks the big bead, uh, but <laughs> that uh, is a thing that they do. Um, it is very funny to me because they climb up to it, and that's supposed to be her like contributing something very like a, a different perspective and angle. And she's like, "I see the flag," and the flag's just like sitting in a in a tower, and then they can see it from ground level when they get closer to it. <laughs> that, that scene also is wild to me because they they. Uh, four and Jai Courtney choose their their teams, yeah, and they're like, "All right, let's strategize." They're just talking over each other, and Tris is like, "Boring," and just walks away <laughs> to start climbing. And four is like, "Yeah, okay, sure, I'll climb after you. I'm scared of heights and stuff." And then they just—it it was the most bizarre like place placement of that in the middle of the game. It would have been kind of funny if while they were climbing, they just got sniped. <laughs> with the there is a neat little idea that's it's a neuro stim dart yeah uh that i like that's a little sci-fi thing of like oh they get hit with it and then that like replicates pain of being shot it's like paintball extreme right you know right. whatever like it does actually hurt you but it does make you feel like you've been shot actually yeah. um <laughs> they just get shot and fall off the ferris wheel um i I think I have a feeling there is more to that in the description of if that scene happens in the book, I have a feeling sure. there is probably more going on there in terms yeah, of what her contribution allows them to do. <laughs> Cause the yeah. way it plays out is like, she's like, look, a glowing yellow light. And then they get like a little bit closer. And they're like, yeah, we see the glowing yellow light too from right here, 50 feet under the tower. I, um, <laughs> there's also a scene where I guess to celebrate the victory, they're yes. like, Oh yeah, we got this it's initiation. And I was like, now we do and the initiation is horrifying to me where they they lay you down and they strap you to a zip line that goes for miles yeah over a dilapidated city through like like dilapidation buildings like spider-man wouldn't do this right um and you're 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 just flying through it and then you have to hit the brake at the very end or you die which is not in an easy to to reach. No, no spot. not at all. And but she does. And, but not, this is again one of those moments of like, wouldn't you love to feel this free? Wouldn't you love to just be you in the air like a bird that you got tattooed on your clavicle? Yeah. Here you are. Yeah. You're and they're playing one of the I think four soundtrack songs. This probably they're probably all about touching the sky or something like that. Yeah, yeah. One of those things. And then they're just she she's going through it. I said F this multiple times during that scene. Could not do it. No thank you. For you and your abs can go find another lady. I am not yours if I have to do this for you. No you just break, thank you. Break like 20 feet down. Yeah. You're like, all right, oh I'm done. Oh my God, done. I don't want to do back it. Up. Um, I, oh God. The, yeah, it is interesting because this is a thing that I think the movie does quite a bit. Um, is that like, it's not just that you have to pull the brake when you get to the bottom, it's like you, you, you have to reach back and like awkwardly stick your arm back there. And, and like, it's like it you have to scratch your back. Yeah. Fit. Yeah. And again, that's the sort of thing where the clean way to do that would be, all right, you, you're in the zip line, the brakes in your hand. 
you know, the closer you can get to the edge, right. the cooler you are. Right. Like, you know, that's that's the, you get the, the more... It's like chicken uh, with the wall. Yeah, like, you, you know, the, the guys will really cheer you on if you can get close to the wall. And, and like, then you have her be the one, be like, no, I'm not going to pull it in the last second. You know, she gets right there. Um, I feel like, I'm almost thinking, is there a scene like that in a, is that how the parachute scene plays out in a Kingsman? Oh, maybe. Which actually might be a movie that has a lot of similarities to this <laughs> in terms of the, the, the training segment. That'd be funny if Kingsman, um, if, uh, whoever wrote those books were just like, yeah, I watched the Divergent movie. Let me <laughs> co-op that. Yeah, I think uh, with Kingsman, the setup is that they're supposed to release their pe- parachutes after they've dropped a certain amount. Yeah. And uh, then Mark Strong is like, oh, but one of you doesn't actually have a parachute. Yeah, yeah, right. so and, like... But then it ends up being, no, they all should... They all had parachutes. It was just a test. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is it, is it, you know, something like that where it's like, how how brave are you really? Yeah. And then she pulls it last second. And I was like, whoa. But yeah. this is just kind of like, I was like, you're forgetting about the break you have to pull. And she's like, oh, no, I better pull it. Um, <laughs> I was too busy being infinite, like in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like there's got to be like at least four people every year who just die. Oh, yeah. That because they're just like. This is so cool. What break? Oh, no. <laughs> well, they're not Dauntless. Um, Apparently. Um, Dauntless means not being dead. <laughs> do you guys want to talk about the, the cast? Because there's a lot of names in this movie. Eric, Peter. Eric, Peter, Janine. I feel Chris. like the cast is largely good. I feel like the performances yeah. are neutral to no, good. No, I agree. Um, I do want to shout out Shailene Woodley. Similarly to when I talked about Amy Schumer, I don't know where the temperature is on her. I don't know. I don't think there's anything weird going on. I think she said some weird stuff, but maybe she didn't. I don't know. I think she saved a dog with an excavator that she apparently owns. I hope that's real. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. God, I need it to be. Com- I saw that. I'm very confused by it. She. I will give no further elaboration. Yes. Go look it up. But what I will say of her is I think that she- her in this movie is a great example of an actor saving material um because i think she is quite good in this the gold standard for me for a while is gonna until i see something better is going to be jennifer lawrence in the hunger games she's fantastic in those movies but i think woodley is good in this there there are two scenes i think that that really highlight this one in which uh her mother is killed they're they're running away from the bad guys and they're shooting and ashley judd is killed and it becomes kind of a tough scene for me to watch because shailene woodley is like really giving it her all i mean she's screaming and crying and sobbing and like there's there's even like you can still hear the gunshots happening behind they're like an alleyway and can you see you can still you can still hear gunshots happening behind her and she kind of turns and says something like stop it or we know something like that that for all i know could have been ad-libbed and that's this very like human moment of like please just i need to i need a moment like please stop shooting at us like i found that very Uh effective and I was like, oh, that would be so moving in like a war movie or something. It's it's funny that you got this moment in Divergent. Um, right. And I think she really sells it. And then a, a few scenes later, her father is killed. And that is a scene that is not very well done. But <laughs> she is very well done. Because it's this big thing and Tony Goldwyn's, uh, he gets shot. And all you do is you see Ansel Elgort kind of kneeling over him. And Shailene Woodley, Woodley looks at them and then leaves. And the movie keeps going. But when Shailene Woodley is looking at him, she communicates this sense of, what to me seemed like I am just going numb. There is too much happening. I just lost one parent. Now I've lost another. Everything around me is literally collapsing. Like society is falling around me. I cannot process it all. 
So it's like you watch her become numb in that moment. Like I, she can't even just going into full trauma response, you know, can't even process what's happening. And I think that her performance communicates that the scene doesn't, the scene just feels kind of glib and well, now he's done moving on. Um, but I, I think she sold that quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's great with the dramatic stuff. Sure. She's not great with action movie dialogue. When yeah. she says, mm. no, I'm divergent at the end <laughs> that I laughed very hard at that. I, I, th- I, th- and I don't Would know how that, you I deliver think, that line exactly, convincingly, right, yeah. but she did not do it. I think the part that was more distracting to me was the the action, the fighting um, with her, which is not <clears throat> like the, <clears throat> there. There are people out there who are like Scarlett Johansson could have beat those guys up in Iron Man 2 or whatever. Like, you know, like sure. the people who are like, well, she's a woman and it's not going to work um, where like, you know, those like the Avengers movies of Black Widow as, a, as an example of just like a female character who does a lot of like hand to hand fighting. Those movies do, I think, a really good job of having her like swing around and kind of like use momentum. Right, right. Like, like the the way the movie is shot helps you feel the impact of what she's doing, and it's like, yeah, that seems like it would work. She's a trained fighter. Like, yeah, this is all great. Um, in this, she is just a smaller person. Uh-huh. Like, it is it is hard to sell some of the things that she does in the movie uh, with just like the fact that she's not super tall. She does like. Just not a big person. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it, it is, it is hard for it to come across sometimes. And I think that there's adjustments that you kind of need to make to the choreography to fit that. If that's what, if you're going to be trying to do that. And I, I realize that we're, we're not talking about a John wick movie here. We're, we're talking about yeah, a young and, adult. And Trish is not supposed to be um, the best at it anyway, but the, they, they have the arc of her right. improving. Right. And kind of, even as that goes along, I don't, I don't know that she ever really sells. There's some nice things that they do where they have her like, she starts to get really good with uh, uh, knives. Like she's throwing knives uh, really well. And I think that's kind of interesting. Um, then it's like, oh, she does find kind of a skill that works for her. That is, is about coordination and like being able to fight. And she uses that to, I think, kill or stab Kate. No, no, she uses it to stab Kate Winslet's hand at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, set up a payoff. There you go. Sure. Um, so I, I think that was more distracting to me than anything. Like most of the stuff that's where it's maybe delivered more stale is I think just the script. I yeah. can mostly chalk it up to, <laughs> um, but there are, there are moments where I'm like, I don't think you can really make that make what you're trying to do with the choreography here work. If she's the person who's supposed to be doing sure. it, like you, you got to adjust and have it be more about, they talk about like, Oh, you, you know, you got to really jab in and like get quick hits to the neck and like, you know, find the shots that, are going to really bring the other person down quickly. Uh, they they don't really do that with her. I feel like she just kind of gets into the, the hand-to-hand fighting they have. Yeah. Do. It's like, eh. The pose you have to do to start the fight is also kind of yes. strange. Awkward. I The only other thing I really have seen her in is a movie called The Descendants from, uh, not the Disney one, um, the Alexander Payne movie with George Clooney. And I remember her being really good in that. Um, but yeah, you know, I... I this was again. It's not on the level of Katniss, but this movie's not on the level of Hunger yeah. Games. But I could, I can hang with this performance for two more movies, sure. Yeah. Um, the rest of it, like you, you got a bunch of people who are wasted. Tony Goldwyn and Ashley Judd got a paycheck. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, I think Miles Teller's pretty good. He's the Malfoy of the group. He's the one who gets the least to do. I think Britain, you had mentioned the. Uh, 
forget what, what you called it, but you said there was a competition for the four indistinguishable yes. white guys right, in this right. movie who do, like... I mean, the four Dylan figure, yeah. Minettes. I mean, come on. Yes, the four Dylan Minettes. Yeah. Who's going to really stand out? Oh, that's such a great um, uh, barbershop quartet, though. The four, the four Dylan Minettes. <laughs> Light a rose, I'm home again, rose. <laughs> but yeah. Um, is this the origin of, of people not liking Miles Teller? This well, where that starts. Here's the thing. Possible. I, so I think Miles Teller, and I don't, I haven't met him, uh, but I feel like a lot of people get the vibe that this is basically who he is, that he's okay. just kind of like a fratty douche kind of character. I don't know if the, I, I've seen him in, I think, three movies. Um, and in, so I don't have a, I was thinking about this when I watched it. I was like, I don't really have a good like gauge for Miles Teller because the pre, previous is the two movies I've seen him in are Whiplash and Fan Stick. Which right. in the one movie it's like, oh well, of course you're good in this. It's Whiplash. Like who's bad in, in Whiplash? And on the other hand, it's like, well, of course you're bad in this. It's Fan Forstick. Who's gonna be good in Fan Forstick? And so with this, I was like, no, you're fine. He not, does a nice job in the movie. But it's like I don't really know what I think of Miles Teller as an actor. <laughs> but I think he's fine in it. Uh, he, uh, quick plug that he and Shailene Woodley are both very good in this spectacular. Right that's right. That's right. Uh, previous right, recommendation of, of mine. So go check it out. So maybe it is. I think Ansel Elgort's in it. Whatever. That Uh, that guy. He has things going on. I don't even... I feel like at this point, every week, we're like talking about somebody who we're like, by the way, we should mention this person is not apparently a a person who is doing good things with their personal life. uh, To understate it. I don't even really know what's going on with him at this point or where things stand, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he's not going to get many more jobs uh, in big studio movies. Yeah. I'll also just, so. just as an actor, the other two things I've seen him in the big ones are baby driver and West side story. And in both cases, I was like, sure, but I probably could have found somebody <laughs> else. Right. Even setting personal stuff aside, like, yeah, yeah I mean, like Taron Egerton or Taron uh, Egerton. Yeah. Or like Aaron Tveit. Um, But like, I was going to say, who's our, who's, who's uh solo. Alden Ehrenreich. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ansel Elgort was in the running to be young solo. Yeah. I, I believe that's probably why I connect Alden Ehrenreich. I don't know if he sings him and West Side Story. That movie gets that, that, that just yeah. like, God, he was, he is scorching. I love Alden Ehrenreich. Go watch his Criterion video. He's so great. Um, I, uh, I will say for whatever it's worth, I have heard a journalist who has interviewed him multiple times say that Tony Goldwyn was one of the nicest guys in the business. That's one <laughs> anecdotal source, but I, I will I will throw it out there. Reportedly nice man, Tony Goldwyn. Um, I, you know, Zoe Kravitz, she's in it. She's Ron and Hermione at the same time. Okay. Mackay Pfeiffer, he's in it. Okay. I like Mackay Pfeiffer. And then... We got the two big ones we got to talk about. The second most important is Kate Winslet. Um, I will say of Kate Winslet, the big thing that hit me on this with this movie is, you know, British actors have this this sort of this tradition where they just take work. They take the work, they do the work, and yeah. I respect that. Even if it means very very talented actors end up in a lot of bad movies. Bill Nye, Judy Dench, Ben Kingsley, oh. Anthony Hopkins, tremendous actors, but there's a lot of like. Oh boy, <laughs> what are you doing in cats, Judy? Um, but Kate Winslet, I don't Having know if the that's time of her life. Truly, excuse you. Tr- truly, I don't know how much Kate Winslet's done that. 
Like, I haven't really seen her slum it that much. I'm not saying every movie she's done is amazing, but you know what I mean? She doesn't have a lot of that kind of thing in her catalog. For all I know, she was like, I got kids. They'll watch it. Whatever. I got nieces and nephews. I'll do a Divergent. Right. Who cares? So it was kind of nice. Maybe she read the book. It would not shock me if she, she read the book. She seems cool like, as heck. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I'm, Kate Winslet seems cool. She very well might have been like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play Janine. It is just, she gets nothing. She has nothing to do except make you go, that's Kate Winslet. <laughs> and it is good to see her. Let's talk about Jai. Let's talk about old chai la old jai latte our man. <laughs> what did we think of him? The he's got the earring, I, he's got the studs. What let's get into it. I think this is my favorite thing I've seen. <laughs> not fa- that's that's worded wrong. I it, it's not my favorite thing I've Yes. Actually, is it? I mean, do you count the Suicide Hold Squad? Hold on, I do actually have to think about that. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> the Suicide Squad, Terminator, whatever. What Su- what is uh, what's the thing that we f- Suicide Squad Good Day to Die Hard. Oh god, yeah. He's in Suicide Squad briefly. No, he's well he's in the Suicide Squad briefly. No, no, but he's in Suicide Squad briefly. Yeah. For like the first scene. No, for that's the, fir- that's the, 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 the Suicide Squad. No, 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 no. no. The, Wait. James Gunn's is the Suicide Squad. David Ayer is, is it? Suicide Squad. I thought squad. it was the other way around. No. Okay. Guns is No, D- David David Ayer's too cool for thee. <laughs> he doesn't need articles. Okay. Okay. I know what you're saying. Clear it up. Yes. He looked at The Dark Knight and said, lame. (laughs) Probably. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that would be the that would be the one contender, I think, because I don't I don't know if I've seen him. (coughs) I I want I feel like I want him. I want to put him in Avatar. and That's not right. Right. Avatar. Um, Anyway, uh, I think I think this is the most I've enjoyed him. Uh, and they actually like give him a surprising amount to do. He oh. kind of disappears towards the end. I'm trying to think of when we even like the last time we see him is. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, is he one of the people that when she, they, they shoot when she and Theo James kind of break out of stuff? Theo James is also fine in the film. No, because I do believe he's back for the next one. Okay, okay, okay. I do believe I saw that. Um, but he he gets to be just like drill sergeant who just like stares at people and yeah. like makes these like all right all right okay i see how it is like yeah. well you know let's 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 fight it is it is <laughs> a weirdly effective use of him as bland military man <laughs> exactly which is the complaint we have about him normally but here it's like <laughs> yeah actually okay do it it's almost <laughs> like it's almost like a joke I think I'm just <laughs> waiting for one of our like our A24 directors to put him in something. Yeah. Like like what does Bo is afraid look like but it's it's Jai. Jai is afraid. Greta Gerwig. Jai is afraid. <laughs> Greta Gerwig's next movie is something starring Jai Courtney. You're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Greta, she would do it. Um yeah, I I uh I think he I think he's enjoyable in this. I do think Theo James is pretty good to p- given what yeah. he's given to work with. I think he he's in the it. newest White Lotus season, and apparently very good <laughs> in that. Um, I haven't watched it. He obviously a very good looking guy. I think he he could be one of those people who, because he's so good looking, you assume he's not talented, but he actually is. I don't know. I, the, my only real problem with the four character, aside from his name, is that he is a trope I don't like, which is he's a he's tragic sexy or he's sexy tragic mm-hmm. he's he's a, a a sexy whipped puppy 
And I don't like that because I don't think it's healthy to tell guys that's what they should be. Um, but ultimately, though, the character's fine. He's he's stony towards Triss without being abusive or mean to her. Um, a little mean. A, a little mean, but he, he you know, it's because he doesn't know how to express his feelings because women live idiots, right, right, right. according to this movie. And uh, he he has the... Uh, the scene, like I said, where they start making out and she's like, can we not move too fast? And he says, that's okay. And then they don't. And he respects it. And that's good. So, like, you know, not sterling, but fine. And I... I... And there's a moment later where she is uh, in her fear, her, her scarecrow fear sequence. Yeah. Uh, and is concerned that, like, one of her fears is that he's actually going to push right, when she's right. not ready. And then, you know, like, he's going to try to assault her. And, like, yeah, that, I think... Is interesting and is a way to play that. I mean, none of it is like over the top or, yeah. or you know, taking it too far, um, while still like making a point of like, yeah, that's something that, that yeah, you know, that she would be concerned is, about. It's yeah. scary to be in uh, a relationship with someone who is uh, mysterious and brooding and right. could, you know potentially be dangerous. No, definitely. And so I think I, that's a performance I know we'll get more of in the future movies. But I, 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 I think he does well in this. I, I don't think anyone in the movie is bad. Um, yeah. Most everyone is misused or is underused. Um, like our veteran actors are underused. Maggie Q doesn't get a fight scene. Kate Winslet doesn't get to do anything, you know. But Kate Winslet doesn't get a fight scene. Kate Winslet doesn't get a fight scene. That'd be cool. <laughs> I wonder if she's ever done a fight scene. I don't know. One day. Titanic. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> she probably did a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> She swung an axe and it hit part of the ship. Okay. So she, she went. Uh, the it was an iceberg. She, she, and she would. Yeah. She really. <laughs> well, did. who's still here? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't Jack. Um. <laughs> I I do uh, talk about Theo. Uh, they do kind of reveal, I think, that he is also a divergent. I'm still not 100% clear. I guess. Um, but it's weird because they they establish kind of the back half of the movie. Um, we have all the stuff that happens with her doing the zip line, and then we get into, okay, now she's... Uh, the Stage two is that she has to confront her fears in an Inception sort of dream sequence. Uh, this movie has like a lot of weird little inception vibes uh throughout it i think um <clears throat> she has to figure out how to beat these fears but she because she's divergent she could just kind of break out and that is bad because then they'll get they're gonna catch that she's actually divergent because no one else should be able to do it that way uh, unless you were divergent um and then the, the, basically like that's a whole thing they're all everyone's worried about divergence they're worried she's worried she's going to get caught she knows she's divergent um which again going back to the uh point of like it layers too many it confuses the idea because there's too many choices i do think it's weird that she is divergent and then also chooses dauntless when she comes from abnegation <laughs> and that's like an old that's that's a whole extra like okay, well, just going Dauntless would be a story. Like, if you just yeah. had her be, I'm going to break out of my mold, I'm going to leave my parents, I'm going to I'm gonna try and jo join something new because I'm tired of this life and I, I feel like I'm capable of more. I can bring more into the world. Then that's a whole story. Like, that, again, talking about focus of the movie. 
a story could just be, I'm in Dauntless, I'm figuring out Dauntless. Um, but then you've also got this layer of, also, I'm special and I can do things that other people can't do because I, I'm not, I don't fit to a particular yeah. faction. I'm not an NPC. <laughs> uh, and then, anyway, that's a whole other, another tangent. Uh, four has a giant tattoo of all the factions on his back and <laughs> says, I don't want to be like the other faction or I don't, yeah. I don't want to be confined to one faction. And I'm like, why would you get that tattoo <laughs> in this, in this sort of aura of like, Hey, divergents are bad. Like, sure. You know, <laughs> divergents are a thing to be hunted. Why would you get a giant back tattoo right. showing that you actually yeah. think it's cool to be, cross faction i don't <laughs> that would be like if alex it. got a back tattoo it, that was a contract to do a be a, a vfx artist at marvel <laughs> <laughs> it's like i hate it so i'm reminding everyone <laughs> yes uh but i it's it's weird because then i think they confirm that he is divergent because i know he doesn't get affected by the fancy yeah mind control um but then also I think they they say something about that's how like how he hid, he hid uh, in the in Dauntless is is because he learned to get away from things like Dauntless instead of breaking them like a divergent. I don't know. Uh, I'm still not 100 percent clear. I I think that's the idea though. Okay. Um, which is that 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 adds up. I wonder if there's going to be like Kingdom Hearts, and by the end everyone's going to be a divergent, and this is not going <laughs> to matter anymore. I mean, that would be thematically interesting if it's like, guess, oh wait, actually, yeah, this whole thing just was like some people, yeah. some people figure out how to break the test more quickly than others, and actually, everyone would eventually break the test if you just the test. By the way, in this movie, is that she like sees a dog, and then the dog's mad, and then she runs away from the dog, and then like a little girl is there, and the dog tries to go after the little girl, and then she falls through a mirror. And I'm like, what was the test supposed to be? <laughs> and at one point, she gets her foot stuck in the mud. <laughs> No, 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 this is, I'm talking about the first oh, test whoa, whoa, whoa. that we, we skipped over it, but the initiation test that where she finds out she's divergent. I don't understand at all what's going on there. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's super weird. Um, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like, like a Boggart thing, right? Like you face your fears. Maybe so. And I guess her fears are dogs, children, and well, she wouldn't be afraid of a mirror because she does. She only gets to look at a mirror once right, in right, a day. Right, right. I will also point out this movie does a thing that I shouldn't get annoyed by, but I do. When characters are more styled than you would expect them to be pitch perfect to this movie <laughs> towards the end of the movie, Shailene Woodley's hair always looks like she's in a Pantene pro V commercial. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but it's always like kind of tossed over to the side. Like it always looks very much. She's in a movie. Look at that fashion, fashion, fashion. It's a little, it's a little much. Also speaking, speaking of pitch perfect when uh, they're being introduced to play, to dauntless which I guess is just underground in a dilapidated building. Um, yeah. I was surprised they had to put gas masks on to protect themselves from the spores. Um, <laughs> Jai Courtney's like, this is the pit. It's kind of the center of life here at Dauntless. And I was like, that's where you're going to have a riff off. This is not <laughs> center of life. And then they show center of life. And it's just a bunch of people milling around <laughs> talking. It's not like you see people dancing or playing hacky sack or, you know, all the stuff Alex did. Yeah, they, they punch each other sometimes. Yeah, there's some punching. Um, it's just, it's very funny. It's a little sparse. This is the pit. Could use, inter- Dauntless is not, the no, no one in Dauntless has the uh, traits for interior decoration. That's true. That's true. That would be Amity. Probably. Let's say. Um, and then there's a part where they're eating uh, lunch and Tris kind of looks at this like, 
it looks like if you microwaved a chicken fried steak. It's just kind of like uh-huh. machine kind of looks at it, and somebody goes, "Oh, you never had, ever had a burger before?" And I was like, "Do you think behind the camera, Neil was like, he 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 he, tee he tee he?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Well, you're not having a burger now, but okay." But what can I say? I'm erudite. <laughs> of course, I'm going to look down on these <laughs> these dauntless jocks. Um, question time. Uh, explain uh, Tony Goldwyn's death to me. Well, I think we. I think before we get there, we have to get. We have to do uh, Ashley Judd's yes. death. Um, that one I'm fine with. Right, it's right. His but I think, death I think that we makes have to get no through. sense to me. But I think we have to hit these for the for the viewer experience because I'm assuming most people listening would not have watched Divergent. I think we have to hit these to explain the kind of the impact yeah. of the sequence. Um, what are which you talking about? This all, movie made a billion dollars. Everyone's seen it. I don't know that that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, Time to the, check. <laughs> <laughs> the, first of all, the entire third act is basically that Ariadite takes over Dauntless with special nanoparticles. Holy moly. <laughs> uh, it grossed $288.9 million worldwide against yeah. its budget of $85 million. Yeah. Remember when you could make a movie for $85 million? Profit. Anyway. Um, this movie, I mean, it looks better than it, you know, it looks better than it would now if it was made for eighty-five million. Uh-huh. Um, better than Ant-Man or, and the or if it was made now for one hundred and fifty million. I was gonna say if it was made now, it would be, it would be two hundred million. Like it would be like, yeah, what did you do? Why do you need um, green screen to show it's outside of a window anyway? Right, right. It's better than the Flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam two. Alex, accurate. are you sure you're not just picking on the Flash because you like it, pulling on its hair? <laughs> I liked it more than you guys. <laughs> Correct. True. Uh, but, Ashley, <laughs> but but speaking of things we like more than you, Ashley Judd's death. <laughs> In the film Divergent, her character, whose name I think was Mama. Now I got to run this whole thing by legal. And <laughs> sit, scrape Ashley out. Judd is alive and well and living in California. I assume. As and we are happy and about it's that. It's good thing she was we in. She do said. not want it to change. And I like that she was in. She said. Um, there you go. Um, Tyler, please. Anyway, for me. Uh, <laughs> third act. Ariadne is making all of Dauntless do a thing, and uh, Four and Triss have to play along because they're divergent, so they're not affected by it. But they're pretending to be, and that's part of like the idea. We, we see another divergent person who had been sneaking i guess around a dauntless get weeded out and shot because he was not following the orders and didn't know what was going on um and then they this is one big problem of mine is that basically the idea is that they send dauntless to round up abnegation which is like okay military coup like they're yeah they're taking over and like they're gonna um you know basically say like erudite's in charge now abnegation has no power uh but then also part of this plan is to literally murder everyone in abnegation. <laughs> and it's kind of like, again, Britain talking about what you're saying of like, it, it's interesting to make it really complicated and like get into all this like weird bureaucracy back and forth stuff. It feels a little over the top. Yeah. It feels like we've gone a little too far to have it just be like, eh, their goal is to actually murder all of them right. and not just like take power. Um, I guess, I don't know. Sure. Uh, but, uh, during all of this, there is a fun four-way standoff that's a little bit comical where um, Jai Courtney 
realizes that four actually may be faking it, and then he points his gun at four, and then Shalene Woodley breaks her trance, fake trance, to point her gun at Jai Courtney, and then someone else is there, and they're all like pointing. Yeah, that sounds right. And they're all pointing their gun at each other, uh, and like this standoff, which is funny. Um, the the way it's shot and the way it's staged is kind of funny. Um, somewhere along the way, she escapes with her mother. Um, and they're running around, and it's very telegraphed. It's like okay, that you know, there's like she's reunited. Oh, her mother yeah. actually has a secret past. It's like oh, I'm going to tell you all about how I was in Dauntless. Actually, somehow I don't totally get it. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, and then they like go through and get in this big firefight, and it's like they do the thing where it's like oh, there's a big shot of them like running, they're escaping, and they're shooting, and like. We see uh, her her mom fall back uh, or like tumble over or whatever, and you know it's kind of it's it's the most obvious way to shoot this, and I it's just like is a trope now of of having a character be like, oh, I'm running through gunfire, uh, and then we all sit down and we realize, oh no, you've been shot. Yeah, like that's yeah. the thing. That's 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 how you do that. Like <gasps> surprise, they didn't actually make it after you thought they were safe. Like that sort of thing. Um, it's very telegraphed. I was waiting for it the entire time they were running away. Um, and then we, and that's like, fine. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. Gets the job done. Um, they, they get a nice moment together. Uh, and then that's the moment where she's like, stop shooting. Um, yeah, it's fine. Then they get into another scene where she again reunites with her dad as the abnegation resistance, uh, is hanging out and they all go Did you ever think was that on your bingo card for 2023 that you would have to say abnegation <laughs> no. resistance i don't i would not have been able to tell you if abnegation was a real word right I'm still not sure if it is um, <laughs> it is <laughs> I, i'll believe you uh, <laughs> they go to the they get they they're like running around and i think they're trying to take over the place where they have all the mind control um and then her dad's like, let me go first. And then he runs and shoots. And then they they all kind of run up to back him up or whatever. She's like, no. And he runs out there and yeah. starts guns a-blazing. Uh, and then they all run out there after him. And then this time, instead of like, oh, you know, the, the touching last moment or like the, the surprise, it's like they go, they shoot. She turns around. Her dad is riddled with bullet holes just, just lying on the ground. ground. And Ansel Elgore is just like, oh. Oh no! Uh, like it's the most. It's it's so like doing it back to back right away. Yeah, it's within five or ten minutes of each other, and that's supposed to be part of the impact. It's like, oh, I lost both my parents. Right. Like she talked about that again. Like that's supposed to be a character thing, yes. which kind Shailene of Shailene Woodley is, is really selling, but the scene is not. Yes, it's it's you know again, uh, not necessarily I guess a YA trope, but I feel like it definitely is like oh you you know it's easier to make the character this rags to riches thing if they're an orphan sure, if, they, sure. if you take them away from their family and now they're isolated and they have to, to do things themselves um uh, it's easier not to deal with the parents as a story element like that's that's a thing and i feel like that's very much it's like okay they were missing most of the movie and now we get a little bit of emotion for them and now we get to have emotional deaths and we move on um well, I, feel like, I thought yeah. yeah it was very silly done well i feel like they're like walking dead has probably done this where you get like you lose characters. You're you're like oof oof, and it, yeah. it is an effective one-two punch of yeah we just kill that character and we just kill that other one, 
but that compounds into an effective feeling of like, oh, this really is, yeah. you're just going to take people out as a, like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm currently working on finishing walking dead. And I just uh, hit a moment like that actually, which I thought was quite well done. And this is just like, wait, what? This, this feels like they cheapen each other in a way, as opposed yes. to adding on to the overall impact um, of of the sequence. Yeah, it's it's not great. And then they just get on the train, and Shailene Woodley gives a speech about, "I don't know what's gonna happen, but we're just gonna ride this train until it ends, and I guess we'll figure it out from there." Touch the sky, or whatever the. I don't know why my parents died today. <laughs> It is just the weirdest, like, well, I guess we're going to go be rebels or not. Here's a pop yeah. song by uh, Lord, and let's just keep going. Wait, not Lord. I, I, need, I, I need to circle back. Yes, go back to, go back to your original question. The, the dad's death scene, like, from what I remember, there's just like four or five uh, dauntless, brainwashed yeah. zombie guys just like standing at the other end of the hallway. Not looking at them. Yeah. Our, 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 our brave group of heroes have the drop on these guys. Yeah. And the dad's just like, I'm a run. No, they don't. And then don't, he just yes. runs out there and starts. There's no plan. There's no discussion. There's no He's aiming. He's an idiot. Maybe erudite should take over. They don't do the like, well, let me look around the corner, aim down the side, shoot right. one of them, and then, you know, get out. No, it's like, all right. And he just starts ramboing his way through. Like, like, if yeah. anything, Shanley Woodley should have been the one to run out there, because she's well, the one that can actually a... shoot. <clears throat> I think she's about to go out there, and then yeah. she's like, no, let me do it. Yeah. Or they all aim their guns down the hallway right. and just keep firing. Yeah. Everyone pick a target and just keep firing. I thought they were in, like, a hospital room or something. Not yet. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's I think later. they're still in, like, weird it... back alleys, and there's a lot of containers for some reason. If yeah. if the setup had just been, oh, hey, there's like a large group of people coming, somebody's gotta like guard the door or something, yeah. and he right. volunteered. Like there has to be some better setup for a self-sacrifice like that. It yeah. can't just be, no, we we don't have time to think. I'm an idiot. Let me just run out there. It's yeah, one of the dumber scenes I've seen in quite some and, time. <laughs> and again, to do it. To do the same Need thing I go again. back to, to review some of the movies we've done recently. Right. Right. Yeah, like to do the same. Yeah. To do the same thing again, <laughs> uh, where you have the, like, maybe they got everyone. Oh, no. Yeah. He got shot. To do that again more extreme. Sure. <clears throat> at, moments after you just did it the first time. Like, it's it's so right. jarring. Right. Um, it would make a lot more sense if it was like, I have nothing to live for. My children are my legacy. Yeah. I will sacrifice myself for them. Go on. Uh, for, what's the thing that Saul Guerrero says? <laughs> Save, Save the, the rebellion. <laughs> Save <laughs> the dream. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, what if they get all the way to the end and they're they're running to get on the train and there's a bunch of guys that are about to catch up with them. And he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fend them off so you guys can get away. And like, yeah, that's like, uh, yeah. Also, I was very confused as to why they had to run away at the end. I thought they solved the problem. I don't remember. <laughs> they, they, turned, they turned off the brainwashing, so theoretically all the Dauntless people should... Right. They're fine now. Yeah, but Kate Wentz is still out there, isn't she? And she's a isn't heavenly she, creature. like, unconscious on the ground? I don't remember. Because they stabbed they her in the hand? They controlled her. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, because Shailene Woodley is, is not a hero. 
she's a silent protector. So watch for Cardi. She's a diversion. <laughs> uh, she's she's I don't, the I don't diversion know. we Everyone, deserve. There's still... Right. right. Um, there is still the anti-divergent sentiments right. all throughout the factions of Chicago. Again, probably. we have enough info to know we don't have enough info. <laughs> yes. I, I Do you guys think there's a lot of abnegation resistance in the Chrono Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's they, they talk about that on the new episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> Probably. Oh Lord, David Tennant's like, <laughs> what? I mean, if anyone's the gonna sell it, portable. it's gonna be my friend Shooty Gatwa. Anyway, so sure, he, he would make Fair it work. Enough. Fair enough. He's great. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I do. I did like the scene. There's a lot of uh, Tris failing to get on a train. Yep. And then one time you're like, oh, she's going to get it. And Theo James is still like, nah, I gotcha. Um, but I kind <laughs> of try. That was good When enough. they get into Dauntless and they're running and running and running and running and running. Like they're in licorice pizza, but not as good. They uh-huh. have to jump into this big hole. There's a net yeah. at the bottom. And then I like that later at the end when Shailene Woodley's trying to lead her dad and everybody back. She's like, just trust yeah. me. And they dive. And I was always like, how long? How do they, how do they know how long to wait? Until the person has fallen to jump. Because otherwise, Shanley Woody's going to land. And then Ray Stevenson is just going to crash onto her. <laughs> uh, I did have that thought. But I think from the bottom, you can kind of see. They kind of show that from the bottom. She can see up and see who's coming next. Oh, so you yeah. can kind of like roll at I least. Guess, yeah. You can, you can be prepared. Sure. If you're like, oh, that person's going to jump. I better get out of here. Ray Stevenson didn't know. get much to do. But I guess he was fine. I, I don't uh, know. Aside from being an abuser. Who right, was right. Allegedly not an abuser for much of the movie. I'm. I don't want to watch Ahsoka. I've heard he's very good on it, and that is what else I have to say. Um, the Ray Stevenson connection that I'll make is that in Punisher Warzone they make this huge joke because there's like this group of gangsters that do parkour, and there's a wonderful wide shot showing them like jumping between buildings, and then suddenly just a rocket comes out of nowhere and just blows one of them up i'm like that's that's what this movie needed because i was i I, the second i saw a bunch of teenagers just running around in all black doing parkour i was like oh no (laughs) oh ray stevenson's gonna bazooka them how long is this movie (laughs) (laughs) i don't need you erudite (laughs) interesting yeah it's pretty funny um my last note, uh, Vanessa Taylor has a screenwriting credit on this. Oh. Um, which is interesting because I was looking at how long she was on Game of Thrones. She leaves after season three, it looks like, which was in 2013, and this came out in 2014. Did she leave Game of Thrones to write Divergent? And if so, why? And then she left Divergent to write Shape of Water. <laughs> and then she wrote Hillbilly Elegy. Oh. Oh. Well, you got to work. Um, I don't know. Just I, like Kate Winslet. I I just I I. Uh, it's not good, is it? Not particularly. And this is like supposed to be the best one, right? Says says somebody. Probably. So how how many there are three divergent books though right Alex are you gonna let critics tell you your opinion yeah 
Or are you going to form your own opinion? Thank you. As we go through these movies. Are you going to go in looking to figure out how you feel about the movie? Or are you going to let someone tell you how you feel about the movie? I'm tired. I'm giving Divergent <laughs> a D. I think that's fair. Wow, there really are only three Divergent books. Well, yeah. there, there's four. Oh, no, no, there's, there's, there's the, we discussed this, that there is a uh, sort of spinoff. Sort of, I, oh, I'm I curious. See, I, see, I, I did not, I did not care enough to look this up, but I'm curious if that came out before or after the Edward Cullen thing. Oh yeah, because one of them definitely inspired the other. I don't know which was which, but one of them is definitely well. Like, uh, for a Divergent collection was written in 2014, or released in 2014. So okay, that suggests. Oh, so maybe it's first. not. Is it? A, is it short stories? Nah. If it's a collection, that could be something different. Then I don't know. That could be that could be different than what I'm thinking it is. There's another one called We Can Be Mended from 2018 though, so it still would predate oh. Edward. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so Allegiant the movie is supposed to be part one of Allegiant the book. I see. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm also giving Divergent a D. <laughs> it's a movie that again think... it does not offend me. It does not upset me. Yeah. It's not for me, and that is not its fault. But there's not enough on the bone for me to go. I, this is a movie where, again, if a teenager liked it, have at it. Go for it. No problem. Sure. But it's not something that I have a lot. And I don't know how many people are still hanging on to this. Like, I feel like Hunger Games is a series of people still as adults. They discover it in middle school and then they continue to embrace it into adulthood. Obviously, Harry Potter is like that. Aragon is like that. Golden Compass is like that. You know, there's there's a whole new swaths of swaths whole new collections of YA books that, that teens love. But I feel like Divergent doesn't seem to have as much of a shelf life. I could be so wrong about that. But it doesn't seem to have had the lasting power that some of these other ones did. So. Sure. I don't know. It also, it's, it's just kind of late in the game. Yeah. Like, I, I feel yeah. like this is this is at the very end of the wave. Yeah. Of, of new YA. Um, I'm going to go D+. I'll give it a little sure. more credit. I think, I think it was entertaining in a lot of places. Uh, it's very it's silly very watchable honestly at times it, could, yeah. it is kind of boring at times but otherwise like it does blow by a little more breezily than I was expecting yeah I do remember also messaging the group uh, while watching the movie with a gif of Tulio from the road of, to El Dorado going I blame you that's fair that's fair would you make us watch I don't know Maze Runner Rambo or whatever. I was thinking Rambo. <laughs> Bless you, bro. Thank you. I'm allergic to Rambo. <laughs> Alex, would you like to start recommendations so you can talk about something you've enjoyed? Um, if you want good Kate Winslet uh, stuff where she has things to do, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We'll rewatch that. Uh, second time I've watched it, it makes a lot more sense now. I remember it being a lot, because it's very non-linear, but I remember it being a lot more, like, ambiguous as to what's going on. It's not. It's pretty clear-cut once you've seen it a couple of times. Okay. Um, but it's a Charlie Kaufman script, so it's a little, right. it's a lot to take in. Love that guy. Um, fantastic performances across the board, but, uh, it's my favorite Jim Carrey performance, and Kate Winslet is wonderful in it. So, there you go. Uh, I also watched a Kate Winslet movie uh, called The Holiday. I gotta watch uh, that. Which is a sweet Christmas rom-com where the premise is that it's a fantastic cast. Um, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet switch places 
switch like do like a house swap over christmas vacation because they're both like trying to get away from bad situations and get a, a a break from their everyday lives and so they they swap and kate winslet lives in a sweet cottage in uh britain somewhere and uh Cameron diaz lives in los angeles and so it's like oh big you know fish out of water for both of them um and Cameron Diaz meets meets Jude Law, who's Kate Winslet's brother in the movie. Um, and <clears throat> uh Kate Winslet gets like involved in like movie movie studio production stuff, and she meets Jack Black, who's a composer. Um, and also uh Eli Wallach is uh like a uh plays a old like Hollywood uh beloved Hollywood writer who people have kind of forgotten and let fall by the wayside and he just like lives alone and she did you know takes an interest in making his making sure he's recognized and that sort of thing um and it's basically just a really sweet rom-com that's very interesting because it does have the dual structure of like there's two rom-coms happening and they're both kind of connected but they're in different places um and all like both sides have really good chemistry and like it's really interesting the way that they kind of play this together and um it's it's just a sweet rom-coms like i feel like people don't i feel like it's easy much much like ya uh fiction aimed at preteen girls um i feel like it's easy to to write off rom-coms rom-coms like i think i i don't know if i recommended sweet home alabama when i watched it uh however long ago that was uh with my wife when i watched it but like it's it, it sometimes you just watch it you're like yeah this this is a story this is how you tell a story that makes sense emotionally it's there it helps your actors really like live in it and just like you know really get some good stuff out of the actors when you have a story that's very character focused like that it's just like yeah it's not the most shocking thing in the world you kind of know what's going to happen most of the time when you're watching a rom-com but like it's very it, you can have wrinkles on that that are very sweetly done and like it can just be very effective and uh sometimes it's nice especially for uh for a holiday i'm gonna try and keep keep my christmas movie my like off the beaten track christmas movie watching going um because i want to i want to get into the holiday spirit while we're watching diversion insurgent allegiant canceled uh (laughs) i am oh when you get a rom-com right it's it's fantastic yeah it sings. Oh man! You know? And I definitely think not literally. I wish this movie had singing, uh, but that's fine. I think you're right, though. I think there's a little Jack Black singing. Oh, actually. good. Every movie with him should have <laughs> it. But I feel like that is one of those. It really, rely, it really likes your actors' pers- personalities come through when they're yeah. done well. And like when you make fun of rom com tropes, you're really just making fun of when they're done badly. Because when they work, yeah. even something like Princess Bride, um, the Family Stone is a is a darker than it should be, but fun rom com. I love Last Christmas. Um, Happiest Season, Tyler and I are both uh-huh. quite big fans of. Like, Man Up is a really fun rom-com with, like, Belle and Simon Pegg. Um, like, there's... Yeah, when they work, man, they're they're great. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> I mean... I am one of the defenders of Love Actually, though I acknowledge it as a problematic fave. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, also, I do... Totally unrelated recommendation. I do want to give a shout to Invincible... Ah. Uh, which just has the season two only has like eight episodes and they just cut off the first four. And then I think the next four are coming in January, something like that. Um, there is like a lot of weird internet uproar about the animation of episode four. Um, 
and I was I, I was kind of like going into prepared just to be like, oh, well, maybe it's not going to be like super well done or whatever. And it, Invincible has an animation style that is a little weird to get into. It's not traditional and it probably helps them cut some corners on cost as well. Like it's it's more static. Mm. Um, it's almost it's not as extreme as Bojack Horseman, but it's kind of the same vibe of like right. this is a little bit weird. I mean, it makes me think of like Arthur okay. the FX one as well sometimes like the way that it's it's not as it's it's more animated than those but it's it's not a style that's like full-on you know what you're getting out of like a i don't know batman the animated series or uh stuff some of those Avatar, yeah hallmarks yeah yeah for sure um but i watched it and i was like oh that was great cool. <laughs> like, i thought it was really good <laughs> so Everyone, the internet can stop. Uh, <laughs> just stop having opinions on things. That's all I ask this holiday season. That would be a boon. Um, my TV, I am re. I, I've, I'm finally into where I, I. I'm watching new episodes of Walking Dead. New to me. I just mm-hmm. finished season nine. Really terrific. If you are like me and dropped off in season eight, uh, come back. I will tell you, going from season eight to season nine, it's like going from season three to season four. Really, they really step it up. They make some bold choices, but like the so the new characters are really good. Some of the the standard standard characters that maybe you were like, ah, I kind of wanted to like this person. Daryl's back, baby. Love him again. Like they are just doing some really really good stuff in season nine of Walking Dead. I'm a big big fan of that show again. And uh, when I love Walking Dead, I really get into it. So it's it's good to be good to be excited about Walking Dead again. My Speaking of Kirkman properties, honestly, yeah. Um, and my recommendation recommendation is on Thanksgiving, I said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do a little throwback. I want something just kind of nice and cheery. So I watched, for the first time in a long time, Matilda, uh, yeah. the delightful 1996 uh, movie directed by Danny DeVito, co-starring Danny DeVito, starring Mara Wilson. She's great. Um, and Rhea Perlman's in there. And uh, Pam Ferris. And, and Beth Davids is really, really good. Um I realized when I watched this, I'm, I know I saw this as a child. It wasn't like a hallmark of my youth, but I did see it. And I must it must have imprinted on me to some degree because I have the biggest crush on Miss Honey. And I don't remember that being a thing in my life. But I was like, this clearly was at some point. Um, but it's just a really, really nice movie. There are a couple of sequences that go on a little bit too long. But all the actors are just really leaning into it. Like Danny DeVito, Rhea Perlman, and Pam Ferris, who play Matilda's parents in The Trunchbull, they're all so despicable, but they're leaning in so much, and it's so car- – it's – the tone of that movie is just right. Like, it's just cartoonish enough, and the costume design is really great. The set design is really great. Like, everything is just stylized enough to not be real, but it's not – these days, I feel like a lot of movies made in this style go too far to where it feels like the costumes don't allow you to move and that your hair just looks like plastic icing. Um, I'm just not a fan of a lot of that stuff. But I think this pitches it really, really well. Uh, Danny DeVito, everyone has this like, oh, he's such a weird little gremlin. And he does that on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But he's also a very talented actor um, <laughs> and a pretty good director. And he made a really fun movie with this. Uh, it looks great. Largely practical effects. Um, it's just charming. Like, go back and, uh, and, and rewatch it. Or more if you haven't seen it, watch it for the first time. I, I, I had a really nice time going back to it so matilda the chocolate cake eating scene is incredible it is simultaneously disgusting and triumphant (laughs) like (laughs) there is a real sense of like 
victory in that scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I concur. Yeah, it is it is quite something. So yeah, I like it quite a bit. Which is also a movie about a girl trying to figure out her place in the world <laughs> because she's different. Yeah. And it's also yeah, much uh, better than Divergent. Divergent, Matilda, and The Witch are all That's going on my Letterboxd playlist uh, <laughs> for Triumphant Midsommar. Uh, uh, yeah. Interstellar. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, yeah. If... Uh, you you want to know where to find us because you just this just started playing in your ears and you have no idea how you ended up on the episode. Uh, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. We are on Twitter at hctsequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, all the good stuff. Um, I added us to Blue Sky. Why not? Yeah. Uh, Live Moss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn all our potential sponsorships in the future by just like mixing ad slogans. It's gonna be good. Casper mattresses. We have the meats. <laughs> what? Oh no! Help. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, I don't know what happens in Insurgent. I hope that at some point uh, during the big war, as like a rallying cry, Tris shouts, "Air you dies tonight." I hope that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, that was for you when you were not paying you, attention. And, and you it were was too busy rude. posting on the Divergent fan forum. <laughs> Are you starting flame wars with the <laughs> Divergent heads? <laughs> I, I, I will neither confirm nor deny the allegation. <laughs> Are you starting flame wars with the Divergent heads? <laughs> I, I went, I Brit- went back Britain's to... Joke. I went okay. back, hold on. I, I went back to specifically threads that ended in 2014 to start it back up again. I am there. <laughs> I know you all have jobs and IRAs, but we're just talk about this. <laughs> Guys, I know everyone's already been on this train and, and jumped off. But you know what? I need to give my two cents. It sucked. Uh, but yeah, until next week, we're all just going to be riding that train. Just like Triss, which is short for Beatrice, by the way. We didn't cover that. Um, and uh, I, think, I thought we did. Well, I alluded to it with my opening joke. Um, Alex, the, the joke that you missed from Britain was Air You, Air you Dies Tonight, a reference to uh, Halloween Kills, where uh, they, they say evil dies tonight quite a bit. And that has always given you some humor. Uh, so be aware of that. And Tyler's still got a meme to describe. <laughs> yeah. You got a smile out of me. So there you go. I've been Tyler. Uh, I've been hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Alex, whatever. <laughs> You're having a good night.